So Pope Francis, in his closing homily, so again, letting most of the other voices uh, be dominant during the summit, and he sits there and kind of takes it all in. He talks about this this notion of collegiality, of accompaniment, that it's not just about me being didactic and saying stuff. I want to hear from the entire world. He really did. And so in his closing homily, he said this, I would state clearly if the, if in the church there should emerge even a single case of abuse, which already in itself represents an atrocity, that case will be faced with the utmost seriousness. He says, people's anger is justified. And that is true. That's that's what yep. we've that's what we've been hearing from you all who call into our show. What I've been hearing as a priest wherever I go, when I go out and even just uh, have a social evening with some Catholics, yeah, th- this will come up and say, "Well, what and even the heck, even within us as sure, people, of course, of course, <laughs> like, we are have justified anger." Yeah, the Pope said, "Indeed, in people's justified anger, the Church sees the reflection of the wrath of God." So he's like. Analogizing God's wrath with the wrath that we're hearing and feeling from God's people. And he says, people feel betrayed and insulted by these deceitful, consecrated persons. It is our duty to pay close heed to this silent, choked cry, said the the Pope in his homily. And said, you know, we got to move forward with some concrete steps. That's the part people, I mean, I hate to diminish some of his powerful words, but that's the part people really are looking for. They are, and and I think, um, unrealistically, would expect after five days that, you know, here's the thing that's written up. Yeah. So uh, what he said was, you know, and really, it's also not how the church works, other than in some cases. I mean, yes, certainly there have been popes that have said, by edict or by fiat, you will all do this. But Pope Francis is saying the only way this is going to work is if each of you, so in other words, the people that were gathered there in Rome were the, the let's say, the highest ranking bishop in every country of the world. So the president of the bishops' conference of every country. So what he says is we have been woken up this weekend and we've heard these these horrible atrocities again in person. We've had a renewed vigor for how we must attack this problem so now go and do that and we believe in the in the church the principle of subsidiarity meaning that things are most efficiently and most appropriately dealt with at the lowest level possible in fact we have that that theory in government as well people that are anti big government and think that it's really much more efficient to deal with things at a state or even a smaller or more local level so what the pope does he gathers all these people together in kind of a you know, a come to Jesus kind of meeting and saying, this is serious. We need not just to kind of come together and cry and ask for forgiveness. We need concrete steps. So what he's saying is go back to your countries and I want to see something. I want to see you put into place the kind of things that we've heard about because they not only heard the cries of victims, but they did hear from some places around the world, uh, uh, you know, not, not coincidentally, the United States, was one of the ones that shared some of the things that we've put in place since 2002 when the Dallas Charter um, first came into effect with, when the bishops of the United States, among their sort of police themselves, if you will, there certainly has been critique of the Dallas Charter that the bishops didn't police themselves, actually bishops, enough, and that the call for that is to be strengthened and um, trans- transparency and accountability for bishops themselves. 
But what we did in 2002 and what we've put into place with uh, with fair fruitfulness and success, if you will, I, I had somebody the other day question my use of that word. So, I mean, when, when we changed procedures and and our attitude even towards how adults and particularly um, adults in power over children can have the ability to interact with them and what is, what is appropriate for situations, even just in terms of who can be in a room and do we, in confession, do we have glass and doors and all, all the kind of things that we've changed and slowly, or although pretty, pretty quickly at the time, put into place and have been enforcing uh, over the last 17 years. This is something that most of those other countries that were gathered from around the world had not done and, and you know, to be fair, had not had to deal with in the same way. Um, it's it's likely that they will have to deal with that because this problem of abuse is not unique to, to the United States. Um, we sort of shared some of the, you know, the best practices, if you will, and looking at statistics where it actually has worked that there have been many, many fewer incidents. I mean, zero would be ideal, but many, many fewer incidents of abuse of minors because of these kind of strictures that we put in place and, and called ourselves to, to, be, uh, to be abiding by. I mean, not the least of which is that every priest, certainly people of other uh, lay people and, and religious people that work with children as well, but every priest, even if even if they never work at a school or around young children at all. I mean, some priests will like teach in a university, for instance, and they don't typically in their day-to-day -day encounter young people. All of us have to be vetted and background checked. And when we go to a different diocese, every time I go for a speaking engagement in a different diocese, there is now a procedure in place, that was not the case before 2002, where the bishop of that diocese says, if he's coming in to speak any words <laughs> and celebrate any sacraments, not even just is he going to come and hang out with our fifth graders, right. but is he coming here at all to do anything, then there needs to be a letter from my bishop and or my religious superior, like the president of the, president of the Paul's fathers, that says, no, there is no credible accusation against this guy. We've, we, we've done background checks, and I can attest that this person is clear of all those. A lot of the problems stemmed from not only particular priests that were predators, but the ways in which this sort of thing wasn't done. In fact, it was almost the opposite. A bishop would want to kind of get rid of a guy and maybe... You know, put them in another diocese without without telling them, and really, what we've put in place goes very far to the other side of the scale, where it's not even like my bishop is transferring me to uh, in Seattle, where I just was. I was giving a talk in Seattle. It's not like okay, he's going to come and work here. Let's make sure he's above. You know, I'm flying in for a day. I'm giving a 45 minute talk, and yet one bishop has to talk to another bishop and go, "No, this guy has been cleared." We do a lot more of that than we did, and a lot of other things, a lot of environment things. In fact, in mo many dioceses, it's referred to as safe environment practices. Everything down to, you know, if there are um, adults in a room with children, that there, how many of them have, to, what's the ratio? And there's always got to be two adults. And if we're going on like a, like a camping trip or whatever, how does that work? Mm. Whereas back in the day, and the day is not too long ago, back in the days before 2002, there wasn't all these things, and many people would be above board about it, and there would be no problem. But some would be able to find these sort of cracks in the in the ceiling, if you will, or you know, cracks in the cement where they could 
have opportunity for abuse. So, I mean, the, the things that we've dealt with with the Dallas Charter are the consequences, making sure that the consequences are enforced, but also limiting the opportunity for this to happen, limiting, if not, you know, eliminating the opportunity for this to happen. Because in order for physical or sexual abuse to happen, there has to be like a, a closed door and people alone and all that sort of thing. Like, I mean, we, we hear stories of folks that were not only altar boys, but people that like young kids who would work the the front desk at the parish and, you know, would be answering the phone until eight, nine o'clock at night. And maybe somebody would wander in and nobody else is around. We, because of the Dallas Charter, I'm not going to say, you know, we've we've hit a home run and there's everything is perfect, but there's a lot less opportunity for abuse to happen just because of some basic procedures that are you would do anywhere that they would do in schools. And and to, to be fair, I remember when I was going to elementary school and uh and junior high a much more sort of laissez-faire about, you know, the kids leave and maybe get picked up by Aunt Sally or the nanny. These days, even in schools, outside of church situations, we now have a culture in a society where there's much more, you know, we clamp down much more on those stringent practices. Like if you send somebody else from the family to go pick a fourth grader up after school, somebody's standing there with a clipboard and going, you know, you're not on the list. You don't get to take this kid. <laughs> right. We have those things in broader society we now have a lot of things like that, thanks to the Dallas Charter of 2002, in place in church environments, church and parish school environments. So one of the things that they were doing during the course of the summit was reporting on some of how these best practices have been put into place and what have been the results, these, the measurable results of these, so that people from around the world, other bishops from around the world, can say things like, well... No, I've never thought to do that. We don't do that. We should probably do that. So when when we talk about the concrete steps, what they what they learned or discovered or talked about over these last five days will now be put in into place in their way. So the exact procedures that we have here in the United States may not be you know cut and paste and work in exactly the same way in Chile or in Venezuela or in countries in Africa, but at least now they know. Oh, we need something like that. So we got to go home. We got to get a committee together, and we got to come up with these sort of, you know, environment protection scenarios like they had in the United States. And I'm not sitting here patting us on the back and saying, "Look at how good the United States is," or "USA, USA," no, or how, "How good we've done." But I mean, for for not a good reason, we have forayed into this before other countries have, and stumbled along the way, and have you know over these years refined the Dallas Charter. And now we're going to, and, and what um, Cardinal DiNardo said in his statement today is that we need to intensify the Dallas Charter and make it, uh, make more people accountable, including particularly bishops. And he talked about, and, and Cardinal DiNardo in his statement talked about not only the abuse of children, but the abuse of power. And anybody that is going to be doing either of those, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen, but there's certainly going to be serious consequences if it does. And not like what we've seen actual evidence of over the last several decades where, well, he did that, but people knew about it and we kind of looked the other way or it was my job at the parish to make sure father so-and-so wasn't alone on the, you know, the play field with the kids. It's like, well, that's not how that, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not just like wink, wink. Hey, come on over here, father. No, this it needs to be reported. This man perhaps has to go to jail, but I mean, it was an entirely different unfortunately a horrible culture that uh, sort of allowed this sort of abuse to continue to happen 
because people wouldn't do what we're now trying to resolve to do, which is zero tolerance and not let any of it ever happen and not sweep it under the rug and not transfer a guy. And here are the procedures that we're putting in place. So they did not hammer all this out for every country of the world over the last five days. But what they've done is now sent people back to their diocese to say, all right, we all need to do this. Haven't you, I think we've talked about on the show that even other companies in the United States or other organizations have even borrowed or... Absolutely, some secular right? organizations. Yeah. Like scouts and like even uh, schools, like public school systems so and whatnot. Now, yeah, other countries can kind of use or see how it's broken down. Not everything can translate. And Just it's like also, anything else culture. It's also not so that we were so genius and brilliant in the Catholic Church. It's kind of like what you would expect in a lot of situations today. In, in the same way that, you know, here in New York, this is not something that everybody can relate to listening, but we see signs on the subway that say, you know, if somebody brushes up against you, that's not right. And you should report that as sexual harassment. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, there wouldn't be those signs. People would say, that's part of my daily commute. Oh boy, somebody groped me. And these days in our society, it's just, not only is it no longer acceptable, but it's more public and out there in front of you mm -hmm. that you should do something about it and here's how to stop it. And if everybody just allows it, then it's going to continue to happen. But if everybody says mm -hmm. something when it happens, then it's not going to. So, I mean, that sort of thing is much more prevalent in our world today than honestly even 10 or 15 years ago yeah. in a lot of these ways the hashtag me too movement everything that doesn't mean that 10 years ago we could rationally defend in the catholic church that uh, sexual abuse of children was right and it's okay no but all of this that makes it less uh, possible to happen is now being made possible by a lot of things that are in being put into place in society and culture yes the church had had um some hand in how we do that within our own institutions. So yeah, that, that's what happened this week. Uh, there, there certainly have been plenty of people saying today and yesterday, yeah, but all they did was talk, 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 and nothing really happened. Um, and in fact, what Cardinal DiNardo said is that in terms of intensifying the Dallas Charter, which was created at one of the two annual bishops meetings, they meet here in the United States, the, all the bishops meet twice a year, in November and in June. And the June uh, meeting, they rotate to different cities. November is always in Baltimore. So the reason why it's called the Dallas Charter is because that year, it happened to be scheduled, probably many years in advance, that the rotating city for all the bishops to meet in June would be Dallas, Texas. And so they met in Dallas as they were scheduled to do. And at that meeting, because only a few months before that. So it was it was middle of Lent that the big story in the Boston Globe broke in 2002. So it was obviously, you know, earth shattering and serious enough for the bishops to say, we need to deal with this. In our modern society, people expect that to be like, let's do an all nighter. And tomorrow morning on the Today Show, we'll hear what they come up with. I think for any industry, that it, not only is that unrealistic, it, it's probably not prudent. You should, for important things, you should take time to think things out and not just, you know, have an all-nighter with some caffeine and come up with some document or something like that. So between, like, let's say February, March, April, and June of that year in 2002 is when the bishops quickly kind of got things together so that they would vote on all of these procedures and new restrictions and limitations and uh, consequences and things like that that are contained in the Dallas Charter. It's called the Charter for Protection of, of Children and Young People in the Catholic Church in the United States. Uh, we usually sort of shorthand call it the Dallas Charter. And what Pope, uh, Pope Francis inspired, I think, but uh, Cardinal DiNardo, the president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, said today is that we're going to intensify the Dallas Charter. And he doesn't just mean, okay, let's 
let's apply it more. He goes, no, we're going to modify it, make addendum to it, you know, uh, amendments to it. And he said, we will do that in our June meeting. Now, of course, here we are in February and plenty of people will say, why do we have to wait till June? It seems so far away, particularly since all this happened last August and the bishops wanted to meet right away. And then Pope Francis said, no, wait till February when we all get together. And now Cardinal Donaro says we're going to deal with this at our June meeting. So you can see how in a modern, very instantaneous world, that either seems like dragging their feet or it seems like, can't. isn't there a way to do this more quickly? Why can't, don't these guys have email? I mean, I think I can hear people saying that. They do. We both have email. We do. And yet, sometimes things we, take You time. and I aren't <laughs> dealing with a billion Catholics either. We're not, though. we're not. And uh, Which, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. But but like any big thing, even if it's not reacting to something as, as horrific and, and traumatic for the church as this, um, to, to like, for instance, here, here's a fair example. Uh, Pope Francis, we just had heard in our news break today, that Pope Francis will be now coming out with a, a document, an apostolic, apostolic letter probably, following the summit on young people, which happened in October. So for two years, they planned for that summit. For three weeks, bishops from around the world met and discussed and gave papers and modified things and, you know, let's vote on this and then tweak this language. And then after that, they give it all to the Pope and the Pope takes it in and then he will write, sometimes you might call it an encyclical, in this case it's probably not technically an encyclical, but a letter of a Pope on this topic of vocations and young people. Well, that will be in the church's body of teaching for all time to come. So again, we don't, it's not like writing a Saturday Night Live skit where we got a week to do it and we'd stay up late and it'll be funny or maybe not so funny. This is There's a lot riding on this. So to have that time to prepare for the June meeting following all of the revelations and the inspiration and lighting a fire under us that happened just now this past weekend – that hopefully in June, the intensifying of the Dallas Charter. That the, And by the way, they have to be ready to vote on it because that's what they do at these meetings. They're all together. All the bishops are in a room and they're voting. Well, you're not voting on something. Just like in Congress, you got to go through a few iterations of a document. It's got to be reworded and reworked. And somebody says, no, this isn't going to work. Nobody's going to vote for it because it has this particular phrase in it. So all that happens between now and June. That happens in, in what they call committee. That's how it works on Capitol Hill, too. So by the time they take it to the floor... Everybody knows what's in it. You're not reading it for, you know, like, oh, wait, we're voting on this? What is it now? Sometimes, I'm sure, one or two people in the history of the United States Congress have not thoroughly read something that they're no. voting on. But the idea is that in advance of that vote, you're prepared for that. We've got, we're happy with the wording of a document or we're happy with whatever procedures it is. It's not just you know, about you know, flowery words, but it's like, well, is this going to work in a diocese or does it need to be tougher? Do we need to be tougher on ourselves and the bishops or whatever? So the, all that back and forth happens now, presumably and hopefully now between now and June. And in June, they vote on a new, more intensified Dallas Charter here for the United States. And maybe in some of these other countries in the world, they'll be putting them in place for the first time. And and more people will be protected and there will be less instances of abuse at the hands of the church. That That is certainly the hope. Pope Francis was using some pretty pretty uh, stark language about, you know, God is coming for you if uh, if you're if you're going to be one of these abusers or somebody who's, you know, shuffling people around and abusing power that uh, you better watch out. I mean, he was not pulling any punches. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. 
So that was what's happening this weekend and what we can perhaps expect to come in the future.